It really has been absolutely beautiful having you here today on this foolish day. Make sure you run an errand today. Have a little bit of frivolity in your life. Have a little bit of cheekiness, some impishness today. That's the key of the day. That is the mantra of today. At the top of the show, I gave you the start, the prelude for a joke. And this is the punchline. The biker grins and says, well, wash your hands because I want a cheeseburger. I will see you again before the end of the weekend, but it's chappy out for now. Cheerio. This is an April Fool by Alfred Austin. I sailed a field when the bud first swells and the sun first slanteth hotly, and I came on a yokel in cap and bells and a suit of saffron motley. He was squat on a bank where a self-taught stream, fingering flint and pebble, was playing in tune to the yaffle scream and the shake of the throstle's treble. Now who may you be, I asked, and where do you look for your meals and pillow? My Ruth, he said, in the spacious air, and my curtain, the waving willow. My meal is a shrive of the miller's loaf, and the hunger, the grace of the blessers. Tis a banquet enough for the village oaf, with a handful of fresh green cresses. A plague on your feasts with the dish goes round, though I thought where the truffles burrow, and the plover's eggs may in fours be found in the folds of the pleated furrow. And my name, oh, I am the April Fool, so leapt to the hamlet yonder, for when old and young are at work or school, I sit on the stile and ponder. I gather the yellow weasel snout, and I wander the woods at random, or I stoop stone still and tickle the trout, and times for a lark I land em. But I flick em back, and I gape and pant after grazing in gill and speckle. For what shall I keep, or what do not I want, can fish without hooks or heckle? Yes, I'm the April Fool confessed, and my pate grows not wise for scratching, and I know where the kingfisher drills his nest, and the long-tailed tits are hatching. When he leaped to his feet and shook his bells and they jangled all together, as blithe of the chime and stinks in the swells for the joy of a nuptial tether. As they chimed in the covert near where the ripens a juicy wattle, where the rustling whisper reached my ear of a loitering maiden's kirtle. Whereat he laughed, I'm the April Fool who I'm jocund, withal and jolly. So as long as I have this realm to rule, I'm the last to love my folly. Go and woo, where deftly fair parade the smiles of a fine court lady, and I will cuddle my rustic maid in the pheasant drives hoshed and shady. Her cheek is as creamy as milk in June, and the winds nor chap nor warp it. We dance with a blackbird to give the tune, and with the primroses for the carpet. Her quick flashing fingers knit the hose for her little feet neat and nimble. Her kiss is as sweet as a half-shut rose, and her laugh is a silver symbol. She never asks how much fortune fair, nor wonders how my purse is. She sits on my knee and strokes my hair, and I tell her the wildwood verses. She's not a gem she call her own, but I rest on a sheepfold hurdle, and on the daffodils newly blown, and wine her golden girdle. And soon I have for my nut-sweet girl when the may trees are dawning, its weather-tanned skin and rose of pearl, her new necklace, night and morning. When shortly we catch the cuckoo's call, we shall clap our hands to hear him. For let whom they may his gibes appall, this April fall don't fear him. 
Then a wind cloud hued with ring dove's neck made the rain run helter-skelter. The keen drops pathered on bank and beck, and I crouched in the ditch for shelter. And then he whistled his love and waved his cap and his bells all rang together. Just fancy, he cried, to care one rap for the whims of wind or weather. Though the seasons I keep my youth, which is none, you town folk do, sir. Now which is the April fool, in sooth, do you think it's I or you, sir? Then the rain ceased, slashing on the branch and pool, and the swift came the sunshine after, and the thrush and the yaffle screamed, April fool! And the covert rang with laughter. Thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 177. And you're very welcome to it. Like and subscribe where you can. You can listen to us across all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, there's an audio edition. Slacker, Breaker. You can listen on Audible, iHeartRadio. You can listen on Pandora. Basically, as you're stirring your April fall, maybe your gooseberry, your gooseberry fall today, and you hear one of the gooseberries pop, then you can hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the rafters. But if you like your music, and you love your music, and you like a tune to accompany and come in unison with all of this nonsensical diver and wither, then you can listen to the Butler Emporium Musical Edition on Spotify with plenty of lovely tunes, some of my favourites, something new, something old, and indeed, something borrowed. Sometimes when things are backwards, or slightly dilally, back to front, makes complete sense. And there's five messages that are backwards on records. The backmasking started with the Beatles' 1966 album Revolver. John Lennon said one night while smoking pot, he mistakenly played the tape for the same song Rain in Reverse and liked the sound, so the band began recording messages in Revolver that could only be deciphered when the record was playing backwards. Uh, some Christian groups claim that the subliminal messages in many rock records were satanic censorship bells and mandated warning labels popping up in some states. But sometimes backwards is better. Backwards makes sense. Judas Priest, better by you, better by me. Backwards message, do it. Better by you, better than me was originally recorded by the spooky Tooth in 1969. British metal band Judas Priest covered the member covered and put the members of the court in 1990 when parents of two young fans of the band were attempted suicide because of the subliminal message do it queens another one bites the dust there's some debate whether freddie mercury is singing start to smoke marijuana or it's fun to smoke marijuana when this hit spins backwards he's definitely saying something about smoking marijuana as we learned with john lennon the whole backwards message trend started Whatever's one's views of cannabis consumption, this message is far less creepy than some. And then you had electric light orchestra, fire on high, backwards message, the music is reversible, time is not, turn back, turn back. Slayer, hell awaits, backwards messages, join us. But the best is the Beatles, revolution number nine, turn me on, dead man. Now was the death of McCartney, the real Paul McCartney, in 1967, was he the walrus? Revolution number nine is weird enough, played forwards, but played backward. There's something that sounds suspiciously like John Lennon repeating the phrase, turn me on, dead man. 
This message was supposedly part of the whole Paul is dead storyline that started in the backtrack of Strawberry Fields of Forever and carried on at least for the Beatles conspiracy theorists with things like Paul McCartney not wearing shoes on the cover of Abbey Road seen as the symbols of his secret death. Sometimes backwards instead of forwards makes complete and utter sense. Slowly but surely through the course of the show, my flies have been falling down. Now, I'm at the belief that the zipper, the fly, is not made in the same sort of construct as it used to. It's not made of the same stellar steel that it did back in the 70s and 80s when, I mean, you you needed a strong zipper. Now, you need a strong zipper today, but I think they're using inferior metal, inferior zips. How many times has your zipper snapped off? I mean, it happens, doesn't it? You get it on, I mean, classic, classic dresses. Not that I have worn a classic dress. Well, not since I was an ugly sister. Um, Back in many, many moons ago. Yeah, but classic dresses, the zip lasts forever. But now now the zips just start snapping. And the same with the fly as well. Now, I don't think it's anything to do with having that extra lint bunny the other day. That is not the reason my zipper is coming down. I mean, maybe it's a timing thing. Maybe as my zipper starts to fall, as the zipper approaches the base, the base, the, <laughs> the, the magic number, as the zipper approaches the magic number, then that probably is the end of the show. It's almost like sands for an hourglass, isn't it? And I think it's the same. My zipper is like a timer. Once it reaches the end, that is time to finish the show. So we better finish the show very, very soon, or we could get into all sorts of trouble and mischief. But that's what it is. They just do not make... I mean, they used to say that the zipper was unsinkable, that it would never fall. It would never fall. Not in the history of the world would the zipper ever fall. It wouldn't. But now, all of a sudden... Gradually, piece by piece, rung by rung. I mean, is that what you call the zipper? Like the little rungs? Are they rungs? It's like a ladder, isn't it? Are you going to go up the ladder? I mean, it could be a like reverse snakes and ladders. Once the ladder pops down, the snake pops out. And lab-grown lion meat could be set to go on sale in the UK, as well as a whole menagerie of other exotic meats that haven't actually come from the animals. This is certainly a wild creation as probably raises more questions and answers with regards to wherever we should be eating meat and where the meat comes from. Basically, this meat is cultivated and it's being pitched by the food technology startup Primeval Foods. It's not just lion meat, but tiger, elephant, giraffe, even sushi made from zebra and could end up in restaurants if the product manages to pass regulatory tests. The argument is that the lab-grown meat is more climate-friendly than plant-based meat alternatives. However, even telling a vegan that no animal was technically killed to make their tea might be hard to sell when you're trying to sell them a dripping safari burger. The stuff is no animal death happening is true. Cultivated meat is method of production allows companies to make foods without slaughtering animals. They just grow the necessary animal cells directly allowing them the chance to replicate all the nutritional profiles and sensory experiences of indeed eating meat. Well, that's definitely not Kuna Matata. 
and council officials have threatened a couple with legal action after they mistook their pet rabbit for a loud and aggressive dog. Martin and Yvonne Vickers received a message from the East Lindsay District Council stating that the noise of their unruly pet was causing trouble and even threatening the safety of horse riders because of the excessive barking near their countryside home. The only thing that they haven't got a dog, they've got a seven-year-old white lop-eared rabbit called Joey that they got from a neighbor who couldn't keep him anymore. Joey doesn't even go outside because he might get eaten by some other creature, not exactly the cause of antisocial behavior. Still, they were threatened with and they received the letter. In the letter it said, I'm writing to advise you that I've received a complaint regarding the behavior of your dog. I understand your dog barks quite excessively whilst in the garden, especially when the horse riders go by your fence. This is obviously a concern and could cause a horse to bolt and possibly throw off its rider. Martin and Yvonne live together with Joey in the bungalow in East Frankly in Lincolnshire. I mean, I thought the barking could be a new setting on the rabbit. <laughs> Trump or trombone. Anyway, man faces divorce after donating sperm and not telling his wife. A man claims that he's facing a divorce because his wife discovered that he donated sperm years ago without telling her. Of course, there's a few ways that you could definitely read this article. A particular situation would definitely be grounds of divorce. But this bloke claims that he did not help out a classmate, has no feelings for her, and doesn't get why his wife's so annoyed. However, there's a biological child involved in the situation, and he didn't tell his wife for over a decade, so there's a lot to unpack in this tale. So the guy says that he donated a sample to an old classmate way back in the day, before he settled down with his wife who was unaware of the whole thing. Until years later, by that stage, there's kids involved and apparently they look exactly like the donor father. Uh, writing on Reddit, a caveat that means we should take uh, the, sort of, the whole story with a liberal amount of salt, the man explained that he had been with his wife for 12 years and the pair have three children together. However, he now also has a child with the woman he donated his sperm to, despite having no existing relationship with the outside of that. He wrote, When visiting my parents, my wife and I ran into this family and the son looks exactly like me, to the point it was uncomfortable. Man continued, Their daughter looks like my sister. They introduced us. It was awkward, uh, but pleasant. My wife was completely blindsided, but I understood the issue. In all the sperm banks and all the clinics, you chose mine. That would be, indeed, hard to swallow. In Germany, the 1st of April is a day on which gullibility doesn't pay off. Even today, still customary to confuse people on this day by sending them ridiculous errands or telling them absurd stories in order to eventually give a good laugh. Uh, in German, making an April fall of somebody is like described sending someone into April. This phrase was recorded in Bavaria in 1618. The German word Aprilschuss uh, literally April joke, came into widespread use during the second half of the 19th century. There were various explanations about the origins of the phenomenon. It, its antiquity is already a popular belief that there were unlucky days which include April the 1st. Occasionally, reference was made to the Diet of Augsburg when spectators lost lots of money. They were laughed at and the date became fool's holiday. However, its origins, April Fool's Day, the associated jokes are traditionally also celebrated in the media. The oldest April Fool's joke in German newspaper was published on the 1st of April, 1774. It was an absurd piece of advice on how to breed multicolored hens. 
What must be the most complicated April Fool's joke in German media was organized by Cologne-based broadcaster WDR. The station transmitted the world premiere of a previously unknown mass in C minor by Franz Schubert that was discovered under very adventurous circumstances. The audience were enthralled in reality, however, the supposed sensation was based on a musician's bet shortly after WDR uh, announced it had been the intention to compose a musical work that would be in the effect of a classical romantic Franz Schubert had nothing to do with it. Just a quick question. Do you, how do you choose your painter? So the next person who's going to paint and decorate for you, if you don't do it yourself, a lot of people do it themselves. They do a very, very good job. Ends up looking like the Sistine Chapel or something along those lines. But if you're useless and you're a useless painter, would you ever choose somebody? If you'd like driving along and think, oh, wow, I need a painter. That looks very, very interesting. So drove past a painter yesterday and the painter, the, uh, the painter's emblem, his sign on the van was basically chipped, faded. Uh, the colors were not matching. It was an absolute abomination. Now, I mean, I guess you could probably choose the painter hoping that he's going to do a better job than he did on his van. But the van looked like it hadn't been touched up since 1987. Something's very, very reassuring about Alka-Seltzer. I've only sort of rediscovered it. I mean, I think Alka-Seltzer's been around since like the 1930s or something along those lines. That plink, plink fizz is one of the most reassuring sounds there is. And, you know, I've tried all sorts of stomach medicines over the years. Tums, Gabascon, apple cider vinegar, mint tea. But nothing is better than the clink clink fizz of the Alka-Seltzer. It is a wondrous invention. It's a sort of the elixir of relieving pain. And then I do like drinking it as the bubbles fizz and go up your nose as well. That's, I mean, that's been a joy since being a child. But I need in my medicine cabinet now until the, until the day that I leave this mortal coil, I need Alka-Seltzer in there. But something else, though, is I'm wondering if anybody's ever come up or put together the idea for an Alka-Seltzer cocktail. Because I think the fizziness of the Alka-Seltzer with maybe a gin or vodka chaser like a wee nip of, uh, nip of gin or vodka in there, and maybe a lime as well, or maybe the lime might interfere with the stomach acid. Who knows? But I think that would be a perfect cocktail. The Alka-Seltzer. I mean, it, it cures all sorts of ills, cures your, cures your stomach, and lets you forget about the reason you had the stomach ache in the first place. I mean, it would be the situation of plink, plink, fizz, and then after enough of them, fall down. So this article was in The Guardian. Even a mugger didn't want my old Nokia. So why are so many people turning to dumb phones? They're low tech, hard to text on, but the simplicity is comforting. I was a devotee for years and can see the appeal. I was never ideologically opposed to smartphones, or at least first at first I wasn't. It all began one spring afternoon in 2006 when a group of friends and I were all mugged. The assailant demanded our phones and wallets, but when we handed them the Nokia, 1110, whose uh, keypad was strapped to it with an elastic band, the mugger response was, nah, mate. It was humiliating. While my friends could bask in universal sympathy, 
they had, after all, lost their beloved and expensive Blackberries. I had to tell the rest of the school and the police that my phone was so crap it had been rejected. But also, there's another way of looking at it. My Nokia had been through a lot. Dropped so much its case had smashed for a while when I lost the keypad, even texted with the end of a blunt pencil. It now survived a robbery. A more glamorous device would have crumbled under the pressure. But my phone was made of sterner, simpler stuff. In some ways, its crapness was its biggest asset. Then I thought about it. I wasn't ashamed of my phone. I was proud. And then I lost it in my second year of university. I decided I wouldn't upgrade. It was 2011. My friends were buying iPhones. But I stayed low-tech. For the next 10 years, I didn't look back. Now it seems like more people are recognizing the virtues of keeping it simple. And you have the return of the dumb phones. Functionality was never a problem. Dumb phones can call and text if you have a computer. That's all you really need. The biggest problem is the way others regard you. There are plenty of names for people like it. Refusers, anti-technologists, neo-Luddites. Most of them are negative and defined in some way by saying no. True, I wasn't saying yes to the smartphone, but then I didn't exactly have Apple executives banging my door offering me an iPhone. My resistance, if it could be called that, was pretty passive. Besides, I hardly lived in a cabin in the woods. I've already succumbed to Facebook. I used Gmail and I still had a device in my pocket that was capable of converting a message into radio waves. Traveled at the speed of light, even in a predictive text, food was always coming out as done. The more smartphones took over, however, the more my resistance hardened into something more principled like anybody outside the mainstream I found to construct a rationale for my modus viviendi. Not only least to justify it to my friends who had grown tired of sending me tailored invites because I wasn't on any WhatsApp groups. I would opine that smartphones aren't really about making our lives easier. They're about allowing private companies to profit from areas of our lives that were previously closed to them. It might quicker be order a cab for an app than find a number in a local service, but in exchange for that efficiency, you're allowing a company to log in and sell your data. They make millions from this, and what do you save? Seconds, and what precious time you gain back, likely to squander through scrolling through content anyway. I could argue that the smartphone can make people worse at performing everyday tasks. Basic orienteering skills, transport knowledge had been outsourced to apps like Google Maps, leaving us lost and confused. In short, in order to defend myself, I become an ideologist, somebody whose rejection stems from formulated critical worldview towards a mobile phone. When I met another dumb user, I felt an instant affinity. We would swap techniques for navigating the world. How before we flew to foreign cities, we would print out maps and take us from the station to our hotels. We'd bemoan how hard old school texting can be with thumbs and how most of the time we called our friends found alarming. But in August last year, I found uh, I lost my footing on a sheep track and tumbled 15 foot into a ravine. Dumb phones are strong, but even they are not kryptonite. When my Nokia fell, the kiss of the Scottish stream, it gave up the ghost after a decade of loyal service. At the start of the pandemic, my mother had sent me an old iPhone 5S in the hope that the isolation of lockdown might convince me to join the family WhatsApp group. At first, I politely declined and I knew if I bought another Nokia, she would never forgive me. I would say it has made my life easier, but complicated. I longer have to carry out my laptop with me, ducking into coffee shops to check my word email, 
and then my 5S is not much better than Nokia. It can't support iOS 14, which means most of the apps are beyond it. And for some mysterious reason, it will only send and receive messages, even via SMS. When it's connected to Wi-Fi is when I turn my mobile data. It promptly switches off. In some ways, it's a good compromise. I can still feel like a survivalist, finding new ways around my phone shortcomings while also being able to receive images of my baby's new bro uh, brother's new baby. So as long as I'm near a wireless router, that's it. But such is built-in obsolescence. Uh, pretty soon I'll have to get a new phone. If I decide to stay with a smartphone, it'll be secondhand and at least a little bit crap. Because if there was a joy in using an old Nokia for a decade, it never came from shunning the mainstream. It was about saying yes to something that others rejected, something only the most discerning mugger could love. What is filling one's stress cup? I heard this the other day and I was thinking, this sounds a little bit disconcerting to say the least. Filling one's stress cup. I mean, is it where the cup of doth overflow and then there's too much stress and then you have to go and see a therapist? Is that what's what your stress cup overflowing? How full? I mean, are you do you like a half empty stress cup or is your stress cup half full? It gets incredibly confusing. I mean, I don't want a stress cup. If I have a stress cup, I want a stress sippy cup or in a very long straw at least. Or how about you give me a jeweled, encrusted stress goblet. I know ducks are the one of the favorite birds here in the podcast here, but I've been observing these ducks recently. I mean, how much velocity does a duck need? I mean, those little wings go like 19 to a dozen. They're flapping and flapping so quick, the velocity lifting up on the air, and they have to keep that velocity. It's like a marathon uh, a marathon runner running at the same speed as a sprinter. That's how ducks fly. It's amazing to me how those little wings have to flap so fast to lift them up. Anyway, here's some facts on ducks. I mean, one of our favorite birds here on the podcast. Mass migration. Severe weather will occasionally trigger mass migration of waterfowl known as the Grand Passage. In early November 1995, millions of migrating ducks and geese jammed radar systems and grounded flights in Omaha, Nebraska and Kansas City, Missouri, following a severe blizzard in the Prairie Pothole region to the north. Most ducks waterfowl fly at the speeds of 40 to 60 miles an hour with many species averaging roughly 50 miles an hour. A 50 mile an hour tailwind, migrating mallards are capable of traveling 800 miles during an eight hour flight. Studies of duck energetics uh, show that a mallard needs to feed and rest for three to seven days to replenish the energy expended during its eight hour journey. The speed record, the fastest duck ever recorded with the red-breasted uh, Merganizer that attained a top airspeed of 100 miles an hour while being pursued by an airplane. This, uh, this eclipsed the previous speed record held by a canvasback clocked at 72 miles an hour. Blue-winged and green-tailed teal thought that many hunters to be the fastest ducks are actually among the slowest of only 30 miles an hour. High altitude. Ducks often migrate to an altitude of 200 to 4,000 feet but capable of reaching much greater heights, a jet plane over Nevada struck a mallard at an altitude of 21,000 feet, the highest documented flight by North American waterfowl. And in 1954, climbing expedition to Mount Everest found a pintail skeleton of a duck at an elevation of 16,000 feet. 
The long-distance flying champions of all waterfowl are Black Brant, with migrate non-stop from coastal Alaska to wintering grounds in Baja, California, a journey of 3,000 miles, 60 to 72 hours. The birds lose almost half their body weight during their marathon flight. Get me some wings. Call me Icarus. Okay, we have the nine best April Fools jokes and pranks ever, butt pickers. Uh, sticking off air, number one, history's strangest April Fool's Day pranks. We have the Tower of London Lion's Wash. In 1698, it advertised that Tower of London was going to wash the lions, which caused scores of people to show up in April the 1st to see the spectacle that didn't happen. Constantine's King for a Day joke. A Boston University professor in 1983 convinced the press of Constantine that he ruled the Roman Empire, allowed a group of jesters to make one of their own King for a Day. The Spaghetti Tree. Wiener added, perhaps the most famous was the 1957 broadcast of the BBC program Panorama showing a family in Switzerland harvesting spaghetti off a spaghetti tree. Not off, mate. Then we have John Partridge, death hoax. Wiener said, Satirist John Swift predicted the death of one of his rivals, John Partridge, who Swift regarded as a fraud. Uh, Swift published Partridge's death notice on March the 29th, 1708. Partridge declared he was alive, but the public didn't believe it until they saw Partridge alive. In 1749, it was advertised an upcoming show that a man would squeeze into a bottle. The show filled up and no one was there to entertain and the audiences rioted. Here we go, pop pickers at number six, The Masked Marauders. In a parody of so-called supergroup phenomena, rock journalist Grail Marcus wrote a positive review in 1969 of an album by non-existent group, The Masked Marauders, featuring Bob Dylan, John Lennon, Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison. Number seven, Taco Bell's Liberty. In 1996, Taco Bell announced that it had bought the Liberty Bell to help the U.S. national debt. Number eight, London's Big Ben Clock. 1980 saw the British Broadcasting Corporation announce the clock on London's iconic Elizabeth Tower, better known as Big Ben before going digital. At number nine, Richard Nixon runs for office again. 1992, NPR ran a spot announcing former President Richard Nixon was running again for office. Yes, keep calm and call it for our cheese. Episode 176. Absolutely marvellous having you. Absolutely marvellous mar- marvellous having you here. So anyway, coming on along the show today, we have My Therapist is Watching at Home. Timothy Chamolet shirtless at the Oscars. I'm thinking I need to start going shirtless with just a wee jacket on. Baked bean cheese toasties. Different germline for the mouth and bottom. Vicks Vapor Rub, great for congestion. Uh, also, uh, Kim Kardashian cannot keep up with Pete Davis in bed. These are the sort of articles that I have. A disassembled dog poop bag. The velocity of duck's wings flapping. What's filling your stress cup up? British-accented Peloton instructors. Uh, There's something also very reassuring about Alka-Seltzer. Even a mugger didn't want my old Nokia phone. Why are people turning to dumb phones now? Dyson's bizarre new headphones have a built-in air purifier. Oh, for the old vacuum bag again. Colin Firth's wet shirt goes on display at Jane Austen's house. I love Cornwall but cannot stand the Cornish, says Gordon Ramsay. These are some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on today's podcast. So, again, I can't always promise you that they're going to be in the running order. They may well be. They may not be. You just have to wait and see. It's like a little parlor game for you. 
is Chappie, is Chappie going to mention anything on the running order, or if he's going to completely ad-lib it? I, I, just, I just don't know. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Italian town's biscuit-stealing bear exiled for the second time. We do have Trump or Trombone, where we're talking about lab-grown lion meat. We're talking about a barking bunny, and also uh, a, a, a husband who decided that he would tell his wife that he donated sperm to a sperm bank many, 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 many years ago. Uh, so lots of foolishness as well. We have lots of absolute foolishness on the podcast as well today. Hello, my foolish fiddlestick fuddy-duds. It's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 176. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A welcome, you. A welcome, you. Oh, yeah, all right, mate. Oh, oh, yeah, come inside. I will. Yeah, come inside. Grab a brew. I, uh, I don't know you, but uh, I've decided you to invite you to my daring little dastardly podcast. Do you like it? Yes, here we are again. As happy as can be, jolly good friends and jolly good company as well. Oh, <clears throat> I'm already hoarse right at the beginning of the show. Yes, it's not the cough that carried him off, it's the coffin that carried him off in. <clears throat> Excuse me a moment. Can you just, dear boy, can you can you pass me a lozenge? Yes, one of those lovely lozenges would be absolutely delicious. A cherry flavor with that delicious little elixir the delight, the cherry liquid inside that drips down the throat and does one wonders. It's like the vapor rub can cure all, Ill, cure all ills. It is the wondrous thing. I think we'll be talking about it in the podcast today. I'll mention it in running order, maybe, if you're lucky. But I, I, I do highly recommend. I mean, I don't know if, like, Vic's vapor rub was created during a witch's broth. I mean, imagine, like, the uh, Hubble Bubble Toil and Trouble... Eye of Newt. I mean, that's what probably what goes in. The Witches of Macbeth may have created Vic's Vapor Up. That that's what I really, really do hope. Is a hubbling, bubbling, and the Eye of the Newt, and the bulbous water of the toad, and the unicorn's horn ground up in there as well, and an old man's toenail. I mean, I think that's what goes into making Vic's Vapor Up, and it really does. You wonders. I mean, I, I'm always tempted to have a spoonful of it to see. A spoonful of Vicks Vapor Rub will definitely make the medicine go down. What are you thinking? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But it's, uh, it's lovely to have you here. Very spring-like here. No a little sprinkling of snow yesterday. I know in the UK there's like quite a little bit of snow. They had like some little blizzards yesterday uh, here in Colorado. It is feeling a little bit more like spring. Spring has sprung. I hope none of you are using excuse of daylight savings anymore. It's been like three weeks here in the US. Not really one for horoscopes uh, very much of the time, but the new moon in Aries will bring you a surge of mental and physical activity. Oh, mate. Oh, yes, no. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, let's bring the passion. A new moon in Aries will dawn on April the 1st, 2022. All new moons bring fresh opportunities and paths to our lives so that we can start a new journey. 
All right, let's let's read some of the horoscopes here. My horoscope, Aries. Let me hear you scream. Scream if you want to go faster, Aries. It's your favorite time of year. Birthday season, prepare for the most important new moon of the year. You put front and center your favorite place to be. This lunation will open a doorway to you every way, allowing you to lay seeds and begin new patterns that will echo out for a year. Contemplate what you'd like to build this year to come and take the actions the week that follows it. You have extra luck to turn all matters in your favor. Act swiftly. All right, Dad's Taurus. It's time to chill to the max. Taurus, you'll tend to be a workhorse, but you will know how to veg out when the time comes. Embrace the laziest side of you now. Don't forget to pamper yourself. This new moon will make you extra tired and could even give you the reprieve you're begging for. Lie low, hit up a spa, or just give yourself some time in solitude to meditate. This new moon could spotlight an opportunity to improve your physical or mental health habits too. All right, sister. Uh, here we go. We have uh, sister. Gemini, ready to feel popular. Gemini, duh, it's practically your middle name, especially with the exciting energy of this new moon. The particular nation highlights your social life and could bring flurry of fun and invites to you, as well as gives you the chance to shake it up and mingle with some hotties. Networking in any way could go a long way for you. Find people that can open doors to your greatest aspirations. They're out there and they could also be looking for you. All right, Virgo, it's my mother. And it's Victoria, it's Mamar and Victoria. It's time to get vulnerable, Virgo. Open up your heart and soul and body to someone who gives you the right kind of TLC. While committed, Virgos will likely enjoy this a bit more. Everyone uh, of you will be feeling a little bit more sensual. Oh, a little more sensual, mother. Oh, oh, mother. On a little less intimate note, this new moon could turn your focus towards your assets, investments, settlements, or taxes. That's not quite so interesting. Give you a chance to plot out new long-term strategies. Go for it. Okay, little cat. We have Libra. You and them equals heart eyes Libra. This new moon will open a doorway to you. Regards to relationships. For those already together, you may decide it's time to make your new long-term plans together, such as moving in, getting engaged, or wed or plotting. No, you can't let Cat get engaged. She's only eight. If single, you have an excellent chance to find somebody with staying potential. Put yourself out there. And then it is the darling, Sagittarius. Let the passion erupt. Sagittarius, this new moon activates your sector of fun, dating, fertility, and creativity. No fertility. No. Signals have an excellent chance to meet somebody new. No, no, don't do it. So line up a hot options and put yourself out there. For those already attached, use this feisty energy to reignite your spark. Spend time with your kiddies or try to conceive. No, <laughs> you'll have more opportunities to enjoy sports, art, and recreation. Two. Okay, so I just wanted to give to you at the top of the show, Kevin Greening, famous DJ back in the day, used to do the joke du jour. He would give at the top of the show, he would give the first part of the joke. And at the end of the show, he would give the punchline. So this is what we're doing today. We have the first part of the joke coming up to you. It's a little bit of a dirty one. So if you, if I, okay, so take your handkerchiefs and stick it in your ears if you're of a delicate disposition. And here it is. Biker walks into a bar and sits down on a bar stool near the end of the bar. 
He takes a look at the menu, reads it as follows. Hamburger, $2.99. Cheeseburger, $3.99. Chicken sandwich, $4.99. Handjobs, $19.99. The crusty old biker waves the bartender down and up walks this tall, busty, beautiful redhead in her mid-twenties. She smiles at the biker coyly and he asks in a quiet voice, Are you the one giving the handjobs? The bartender blushes slightly and said, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes I am, with a sexy little smile. The biker grins and says, 